BJ Council. I view the world through the lens of having been followed by a white clerk as a child while shopping in a five and dime. I'm a retired police executive and own UN50, which gives guidance on surviving interactions with police. I'm Harmony Chavis, and I view the world through the lens of one of the most misunderstood and diverse generations in our nation's history. I'm a social worker and a believer of radical kindness and love as modalities of healing. My name is Andrew Council. I view the world through the lens of a generational camera phone. I wake up as a black male and go to bed as a black male. I am surviving this never-ending court case we commonly call life in the best way I know how. All right, welcome back, everybody, to uh, UN50. I'm glad you could join us. For those of you that's joined us for the first time, UN50 was an organization uh, that goes around teaching uh, people, primarily black and brown folks, how to safely interact with law enforcement. Um, but we also talk about other things uh, with mental health, education, um, mental health, those types of things. Because if you really think about it, uh, these issues surrounding law enforcement is a lot is just not law enforcement. It's a lot bigger. Uh, and we are recording out of Durham, North Carolina, out of the Bull City. And uh, this evening, who we have with us is Ms. LaToya uh, McNair, who is the um, director or the shelter manager for Durham Crisis Response Center, which is our local nonprofit that deals with sexual assault, domestic violence, human trafficking, and other things that she'll go ahead and, and, and expound on that in a little bit. Uh, first, I want to introduce, for those of you that don't know, is uh, my co-host. I usually have two. One of them is my nephew, uh, who is not with us tonight. He is traveling to Richmond uh, with a buddy of his, and I told him it was okay. He could plan to join us by phone, but I figured he'd probably hit a dead spot and didn't want to have to worry about the connection. So just letting him enjoy himself. So my other co-host is Harmony Chavis, who's uh, been with me since the inception of um, UN5O. Hadn't chatted with her in a while. So how you been, Harm? I know. I feel like it's been like 50 years since we've caught up. Things are good. I'm finally able to unpack in the new house, um, which is nice. It's not as terrible as I thought it was going to be being a homeowner. So that's good. Um, but also just glad that the process is over and now I can kind of start settling in. Um, and before we get started, Latoya, actually, I, you probably didn't know this. BJ, I don't know if you know this about me, but um, domestic violence and sex trafficking is initially why I got interested in social work. So that was one of my first um, internships. It was in Burlington at the shelter there. Um, and I remember my first day I called my, I called my dad crying. I was like, dad, I can't, I can't do this. I was like, how am I supposed to sit with these women every day, knowing what they've been through and just go home. Um, and for a second, I was like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. And I went back the next day and seeing those women show up for themselves every single day. I figured that I surely could show up twice a week for an internship. So thank you so much for all of the work that you do. Um, even in an internship capacity, I can't imagine managing that all of the time. Um, so I personally am so, so, so thankful for what you do. And I'm excited to, to speak with you tonight. Thank you. And uh, thank you for the rest of your team that you brought. That was a nice surprise. And uh, yeah. hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll be able to get to hear from some of them have some input. So uh, Latoya and I have known each other for a while. I used to be on the board of directors for DCRC years ago. And um, she's definitely been a light and her passion and love for what she, she does just kind of 
stood out in our relationship. Uh, I think hopefully I consider her a friend. And uh, obviously this is the month of domestic violence and wanted to at least unify vote being a law enforcement officer, wanted to, to uh, uh, have someone to, to have this discussion. So, uh, so Latoya, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Latoya McNair and I'm actually the shelter manager at um, Durham Crisis Response Center, which is a 24 hour shelter. Um, we house people like with sexual assault, domestic violence, human trafficking, LGBTQ, we do men and we do women. Um, we help assist them with domestic violence protective order through our FJC um, program, which is Michelle is the di director of um, FJC. We work with Spanish clients, which Evelyn is on the Spanish team. And we have a crisis line, 24-hour crisis line. And Jamie is actually the manager of crisis line. Um, we have case management at the shelter, which is Courtney is our lead case management now. Um, we have Pennies for Change, which is our, our actually thrift store that helps us with proceeds with Durham Crisis Response Center. And we also have our clients to go shop there and they can actually shop for free. Um, we have rape, rape prevention, education. Um, we have, I, I did mention LGBTQ. We work yep. with LGBTQ. Um, and counseling services. Um, yeah, we do. Oh, sorry. We, does, oh, sorry. we do counseling services as well. So we kind of like a wraparound service. We do a lot of um, things at DCRC. So, Detroit, you guys don't just service Durham County, correct? That's correct. We um, actually service people all over across the United States. I have people that come as far as California, so wow. we service people everywhere. The wow. challenge is if they're in California now and they call Durham County to actually get shelter services, we can't hold beds. That's part of our grant funding, so okay. we can't hold, hold, hold beds, so it's kind of like hard for us to service people that's coming from out of state now. Okay. Okay. All right. So I guess one of the things I'd like to talk to you about is just, you know, how, why did, why are you in this profession? Well, actually it is personal for me. I like grew up in a household with, and I, I think a lot of my coworkers may not know this, but I don't care about Shane. I grew up like being molested. My mom, everybody that she actually dated was abusive mm -hmm. to her. Um, I was taken from CPS a couple of times as a child. So I just vowed to, when I get older, I want to protect the kids from childhood molestation. Um, I didn't really, I actually stumbled over DCRC by accident. And when I found <laughs> it, I didn't even know it existed. Right. So I was just so excited. I think I started out, I started out doing like weekends, two days. And it was when I started working with them, it was just I just couldn't leave. I just couldn't leave. I just felt like like this is my passion. I have to stay there and I have to protect the women. I just don't want to like abandon them. Yeah. Like, um, they just been through so much and just like working inside of it, just seeing it is just a whole different world than actually hearing about it. Mm -hmm. As you're working with people on a day to day basis, it's just really different. Well, you know, stay, staying with that with that thread uh, or that thing, what is it that you think community members and individuals who uh, don't understand what domestic violence? Because it's always, a, why don't you just leave? You right. know, you know, and then you have the part of of 
we forget that men are also abused in relationships right. as well. And so just kind of talk about what some of the myths that, that, that people don't know, or either there's this assumption, well, you know, why don't you just go ahead and get up and out of there, all that kind of stuff. So kind of talk about that to educate people. You, you just can't say that because Harmony and I have talked about this before. I mean, it's a statistic and you and I talked the other day, confirmed that it takes an individual statistically seven times before right. he or she can leave the relationship. Right. So just kind of, you know, just, just help out some of our listeners as to, you know, kind of take some of these myths or on uh, lack of knowledge as to, you know, why, you know, the victims uh, sometimes stay with their abusers. Okay, well, for, for the most part, some of it is intimidation, like they get intimidated by the abuser, they say, oh, I'm going to kill you if you leave, um, things of that nature, and financial, sometimes mm -hmm. it can be financial reasons, and somebody can be in an abusive relationship to where their partner wouldn't allow them to work, so they have to de solely depend on that um, partner or, or that individual, mm -hmm. so financially, they may not... Um, they may, they, they may can't leave. Um, this may be all that they know. They've been with this person ever since they've been a teen. So this, this is all who they know. And this person has took total control over their lives. So, um, and then like the other myth is men don't get abused. That's inaccurate. Um, actually, <laughs> this year has been my highest number housing men in shelters. We have had a lot of men in shelters. And, um, I was looking at like the DV homicides of this year and across the North Carolina, we had a total of 45 as of wow. September the 22nd. But out of those 45, there was actually nine men that had wow. been like murdered by women. Wow. Or, they signed, or same sex partners. Wow. wow. So it's wow. a lot of different myths out there when it comes to, and then you have people saying, Oh, she's so silly. I mean, she crazy. I wouldn't stay in that situation. She should leave and stuff mm -hmm. of that nature, but it's not that easy. When you're in that situation, you see out of a different lens, so things are so much different than what you think until you're in that situation. You never know what you may go through. Um, mm -hmm. I want to add, like, do any of my um, co-workers have anything to add or anything? Yeah, you can speak up, man. You might, yeah, you might as well join. I think, you know, because I used to, um, when I was on the board, I, I actually was trained to do the helpline, the crisis line. And I was so glad that I did that because it, it opened up a different perspective. I mean, it's one thing to sit on the board, but it's also another thing to participate and really listen to women. And one of the persons that I listened to one evening, she didn't have anywhere to go because her family was just like, and I don't, and this is just, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, she was like, can you go to your family? You know, so what, what is this thing? Also, can we talk about the fact that individuals stay with their abusers and then the family begins to turn away from the family person who's being abused? I mean, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, for, for some, for number one, like some families aren't educated on that. Mm -hmm. So they really don't understand like why this person stay in this situation. They mm -hmm. think it's easy, just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. So what happens is they become angry at the individual because they like, oh, wow, why do you stay like with this man or with this woman? And they doing A, B and C to you instead of being supportive. They don't understand. I think a lot of it start with education. Once we get um, once we get every like people educated, then they understand. 
or if they have been through the process, then they understand. But we get that all the time, like talking to people. And the first question we ask, do you have friends or family that you can like reside with? And for the most part, we have a lot of people to say, no, um, I don't have family in the area or my family don't support me because this is something that keeps happening and I keep going back. And my parents said that if I go back again, they don't want to have anything else to do with me. Wow. So yeah. it, it comes with educate with educating, like education, period. Yeah. yeah. I have a question for you. Um, and I guess I guess the interesting thing about most of the things that we talk about on this podcast is that it's generational. Um, you were talking about how your mom's um, right. boyfriends abused her and also molested you. Where, what do you think was a pivotal moment or what helped you kind of say, I don't want to continue in these cycles anymore? Um, because, I mean, molestation for children is one of the most devastating, soul-crushing things that can happen to an individual. Um, so being able to see the strong woman that you are now, like managing a shelter and obviously being able to navigate quite difficult emotions and situations what what inspired you or what kind of helped you to decide to do something different than your mom had done well I sat there okay with my mom growing up and I seen like different men abuse her I actually like were fighting them Mm -hmm. and I knew when I got older what I wanted what what I wanted to do so Mm -hmm. honestly actually when I began working in this field that was my healing process Mm-hmm. I have been through, I have been through therapy like through the past like to overcome some of my you know childhood traumas mm-hmm. but working in this field actually strengthened me like to wow. like want to do it but it also I guess it also took away from my kids a little bit because mm-hmm. when my kids was growing up I actually never allowed them to stay with anyone that had a, a man in the house or mm-hmm. Because I was terrified of what may happen to them because of the things that happened to me. Right. So I think like being at this job, just like, you know, just helped me. It helped me. It's helping me like for my background to be able to help clients as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I also did not know. Can I have one more question? For no, no, no. Go right, go right ahead. So you guys are a shelter for both men and women, and you also house folks that are under the LGBTQ umbrella. I had no idea that there were services for men, first of all. And I definitely didn't know that there were support services for people that may have been displaced after coming out to their family. I assumed that that's what that service is. Well, it's actually like LGBTQ. Then we have LGBTQ education, but we house LGBTQ that has been through domestic violence. Or gotcha. anything like that. And a lot of it don't have to be like recently. They could have been a month ago, but they gotcha. still have effects from it. Right. But okay. Yes, we house men. A lot of people don't know that we house men. Yeah. But the thing yeah, the thing about men is it's embarrassing to them. Like mm-hmm. it's a lot of men out here that be abused, but they embarrassed to come forward because they feel like they're a man. They don't supposed to get abused, but that's mm-hmm. that's a myth. You do. And then I had a call one down the crisis line. This guy, this was before we started taking men, and it was so many years ago. And the man called in, and at this time, we wasn't taking men. And he was like, so you guys don't have a place for me to go. So what happens if I, if she, she's beating on me, if I hit her back, I'm going to end up in jail. But you guys don't have no safe haven for me. 
Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm glad that we are able to house men now. And it's easier because we are actually not in our shelter at this time. We are like in a, we are in another location. We actually house at a, a hotel, which is our office are there and, and everything. But okay, cool. the clients get their individual room. So it's easier to house men now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, Cool. I mean, because I know Harmony and I have, have talked about domestic violence. I mean, we both, you know, on the board and she and I have both kind of talked about it on different levels and stuff like that. So I knew she would. I was like, I knew she's coming to this one. You know, so um, what is just just a little bit, if you don't mind, Toya, Toya, what's your relationship like with your mother now? Well, you know what? Actually, my, me and my mom had a very, very rocky relationship. And I didn't tell my mom until actually it was 2006 that I had been molested multiple times. Oh, wow. And um, I remember like having this vision. And this was like when I was four or five years old, but I couldn't remember like why am I having this vision? So mm-hmm. I talked to my aunt first and I let her know like what happened. So, no, she told me that one of my molesters, she was like, oh, he's in town. I was like, what? I was like, he did this to me. And she was like, what? She was like, well, I took you to the hospital when you was five. And like this stuff has happened to you. And I was like, oh, that's the vision. Mm. But I know like now it took me and my mom a while. When I came, when I told her in 2006, she acted exactly how I thought she was going to act. I told my grandma first and I was like, well, I'm scared to tell my grandma because I know how, how, how protective she is over me. She'll go and try to find the guys. So <laughs> right. when I told hey, my mom, grandma, yeah, she was. Yeah. When I told my mom, she was more like, "Well, ain't nobody tell me. Why didn't she tell me? Did it really happen?" Mm. So we we already had a rocky relationship because I I experienced so much. My mom was on like drugs for a lot of years. Um, Mm -hmm. she was in rehab and when she was in rehab, we was left alone. And when we was left alone, it continued to happen. We're not alone. We had my aunt, but my aunt was on drugs herself. So my mama left, um, and things was happening to me. It actually like put a bigger wedge in between us. And then not to mention, like I was taken from CPS two times and I have a younger sister, but nothing ever happened to her. So it at me and my mom actually 2014 she got sick. And when she got sick, I went up there. She stayed towards DC and I went up there and I used all my vacation time, almost two months, like helping her. Mm-hmm. And I remember she was being she was on life support and I was whispering in her ear and I kept talking to her and rubbing and she was frowning when I rub her. And I was like, Well, why is she frowning and she on life support? How she know I'm touching her? <laughs> <laughs> I whispered I whisper in her ear. I was like, Ma, I said, when you wake up, it's new beginnings for us. And I was the one that she woke up to voice. And when she woke up, the first thing she said was neat. That's my nickname, neat. Mm-hmm. New beginnings. And I was like, how in the world did she hear me? Yeah. So ever since there, then we've been like kind of close. I go see my mom um, every other month now. We okay. we got a better relationship right. than we had than we had in the past. Wow. But it's not as close as I want to be like her and my sister. But right. we get along like much better. Wow. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, I have a question, B, real quick. Sorry. No, you know. Because if I don't get in here, she's going to talk over me for the rest of the time. I'm just kidding. 
Um, so how has COVID um, affected the intake numbers? Have you seen, I would assume, an increase in the amount of people that are seeking services or what has that been like for, for your organization? Well, we actually had, we did have an increase. And like I stated before, we even had an increase in, in men. Mm-hmm. And being at our location that we are, we are able to house like more people than we would at the shelter. Mm-hmm. But the only thing is with COVID, we're actually having clients to stay longer than normal mm-hmm. because it's actually hard to get them like housing. It's either slow or it's just a housing issue with us. So yeah. I think I have a client, clients have been there three months or more now. So it's wow. actually, they're actually staying longer than they normally would stay. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I know you guys offer counseling service. Do I... It, it, do I have to be not well? Obviously, I would be a victim, uh, but can I just say, look, I'm I'm a victim of of either the past or currently, and I just need to I need to talk to somebody. Can I just can I just do that without? Can I come in and just get counseling, or do I have to come in as part of you know the some other steps? You know, just I I know you have this counseling service. Is can I just come in and just take advantage? Take you know take full advantage of that counseling service. That's something that you, you could offer to me if I was a victim of yes, abuse. Can. Yes, mm-hmm. can. It's, okay. not, it's not just limited to like shelter clients. Okay. It's limited to, to anybody that experienced um, any other victimizations. So. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So tell me about, I mean, I think you and I talked a little bit about this Latoya about you, you use the term, Snap syndrome? <laughs> yeah, snap syndrome. <laughs> yeah, so kind of go into a little bit about that, because I guess what I want to go is to, because one of the things that we're going to be talking about on my next, uh, the show that's going to be aired after you guys is called Alternative to Violence Project, mm-hmm. uh, which helps individuals on how to communicate their feelings without resorting to violence. So I kind of, I mean, I think it fits uh, with uh, people learning how to <laughs> be angry about putting their hands on each other or being verbally yeah, abusive. Yeah. So kind of talk to me a little bit about that. And also when, you know, it is, is a lot of the stuff that you see, or is that just a myth that people just don't know how to communicate and express their feelings without being violent? Well, I think some people do know how to express their feelings without um, being violent, but some people don't, I guess some people, I use the term snap syndrome, <laughs> But I guess like people like go through a lot and when they can't take it like anymore, instead of like using their words, they use their hands instead. They just snap. And it may be an incident that you this person never even like raised a hand at you. But you keep pushing the buttons, you keep having arguments and it's something deep down in that person that they just can't take it no more. So they just snap on that person. So that's why I use the word like snap syndrome. Because you can, like, you can, like, pretty much talk things out, but sometimes things get, like, heated to the point. The only thing you feel like doing is touching versus, like, being verbal. So is snap syndrome your word, or is that, or is that something I can Google? <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you just create snap syndrome? Am I going to find that on Google? No, you know where I heard snap syndrome at? The first um, 48 <laughs> The first 48. Yes. What is I don't know what that is. Harmon, you know no, what that that's is? Like, that's the um, police homicide. Um, they do. They investigate homicides. 
okay, it's, so it's like live, so they investigate different homicides. Oh, uh, okay. And yeah, I well, heard them use the words. I mean, that's that <laughs> snap syndrome. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, no, see, I, I don't watch police stuff. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> that, 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 that's fine. Uh, so, uh, is there any advice from you guys um, and, and your, your crews here and other your members of DCRC as to, as an individual like me, if I have an argument with my wife and, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I'm, I'm closing in on the SNAP syndrome, you know, <laughs> what, what are some of the things that I could, you know, that I've never raised my hand, I've never put my hands on her, but I'm, I'm getting close. What, what is it that I should do? in order to keep me from doing it. What do I just need to leave the building? Leave, you know, I mean, tell me what I should do, what people should do when they feel like, you know what, if I, I'm going to put my hands on my partner or my wife or my blah, blah, blah. What, what, tell me what I need to do. And I've never done that before. I've never done it before, but I'm feeling like I'm getting ready to do that. Breathe, relax, and just go to another room. And if you feel like you can't be in the house for the moment, just go outside, just like take a drive or something. Um, that's what I would suggest. Um, do any of my coworkers have anything to say? <laughs> Jamie? Uh, come on, y'all. Y'all can speak up. <laughs> come on. You know you want to. <laughs> she laughing, BJ. Uh-huh. Up. <laughs> I know, right? Come on, Jamie. She, she calling you out. <laughs> she calling you right, out. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. No, um, Latoya, you right on the money. Um, I like to use the word power of the pause. And for me, that like means, that. yeah, I always use the word, the power to pause. Take, like Lasoya said, take a breath, take a pause. If you have to even leave the room or step outside, go for a walk, go for a drive, whatever it is that you have to do to leave the situation in that moment, that that could also help de-escalate. Wow. Yeah, I think uh, I think I just got the title for this podcast show. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's going to be it right there. I like that. The power of the pause. That, I really appreciate that. That makes sense to me. I mean, that that's exactly, that's exactly it. So, and I guess as you were saying that individuals who may not like come through the normal way that, you know, they, they, they call because they've been victim, but what, and I don't use the power of pause or I begin to, can I also come to you guys? Yeah. You know, because I, you know, cause I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to. <laughs> you know, so can I come to you? Can people yeah. come to you because they're getting ready to cross that line and, yeah. they want, and don't want to? Mm-hmm. That would be helpful. Just like, you know, you could call us, call the crisis line and they'll give you some intervention. Jamie, no. Um, call the crisis line and they'll give you some intervention. If you guys feel like, I mean, if you feel like you need counseling, like we can offer counseling as well. But I would like, if you get into, if a person is getting to that point and just need somebody, talk to, I would encourage them to call the crisis line. Tell you what, go, go ahead and give me that number. I mean, we're going to post it with the show, but while we're talking, you know, somebody might be listening and, 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 and understands what we're talking about. So go ahead and toss that number out right now. The number is 919-403-6562. Cool. Thank you very much for that. So uh, the other thing that, that I know when I was on the board, because I'm an animal lover, and um, so we, uh, I, I, at one point I was thinking about how do I help? How do, how do you guys help individuals? Because I know that one way is that they abuse the victim's animals. I mean, so right. what do you do? What do you do with the victim's pets? I mean, you don't want to 
I mean, my thing is you're leaving the pet there with the abuser. And the only if the if the person isn't there, they're gonna do something to the animal. How how are you guys, you know, helping? I mean, I know, you know, on a scale, you know, we need to take care of the human first, but then there's that because that's traumatic too, obviously. Right. You know, because that's that's a family member. Mm-hmm. So just for people who who have who are victims and then they don't want to leave their pets there with the abuser are you guys able to help that help with that yes actually they don't have to leave their pets with the abuser we actually take um animals and it doesn't like it it's not limited to like what animals of course we're not going to take something huge but we have <laughs> to um we have we can house animals we have crates and if they have crates, they can bring crates as well. We're in a shelter. We're in an animal shelter. We're in a, sh- a animal friendly place now as well. So, wow. Even in a shelter, we actually take animals as well. But what we our location, we made sure that we was able to take pets. Nice, Carmen. You you kind of you kind of perked up when that's you heard so that. Cool. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> really interesting. Like, who would have? I don't. I just didn't even think that that would be possible. So that's mm-hmm. really neat. I just I also have a lot of just like dog stuff that unfortunately doesn't fit my dog because I underestimate how large she is. So I have stuff to donate and I was gonna ask if you guys accepted donations yeah, for sure. animals. <laughs> okay, yeah. cool. Good to know. Yeah, cool. So what so you know, you got you've been there for how long now? Fifteen? Um, a little yeah, a little over fifteen years. Wow. Wow, that's really cool. So what so what are some of the things that you guys feel like you would want the community to know? You know, uh, do, do you guys feel like you embedded enough in in the community for people to know that you're there? Uh, is there more that needs to be done to, you know, to be accessible, uh, to be easily accessible um, in, you know, communities that, you know, may not either know about you or can't get to you. I mean, are you easy enough? About, I guess the bottom line is, you easy, do you feel like you're easy, uh, accessible enough for folks to get to you? Well, I think so. If they, if, if they like Google a domestic violence shelter, but I mm. think we can really bring some more awareness to the community. Obviously it's hard now, like during COVID, um, yeah. we used to have like, Stands when they used to have like little festivals and stuff in in Durham. I remember yeah. the little um I forgot the little festival, but I used to sit out there every year and hand out flyers, fingernail files with Durham Crisis Response Center and our crisis line number, something that can be hidden. Right. So um years ago we did a lot of outreach. We do have outreach. We do have right. somebody that does outreach as well too. Right, right. So, right, but right, I think right. we need to like be out there a little more because a lot of people don't know that there's a shelter. A lot of people don't know that there's a shelter for men mm-hmm. and animals and yeah. women and children, LGBTQ, LGBTQ, human trafficking. A lot of people don't know that they are those services that we have and we that we offer. So and I how, think that, I'm hmm? sorry. I was just going to say, how can community members, how can we help you guys? Like as far as volunteer work, are there things that you need that maybe we could donate? Like how, how do we as regular people help your cause? Well, I could say at the, well, at our um, safe space shelter that we have, we need mm-hmm. stuff like um, toiletries, paper towel, toilet tissue, like stuff of, of that nature. Um, we can use volunteers. We definitely can use volunteers on our crisis line, um, hospital, hospital responder. Even though we're not actually going to the hospital right now, 
Mm. But we actually are in need of some volunteers. Okay, good to well, know. Yeah. I mean, like I said, when I was on the board, I did the helpline, and, and that was just eye-opening uh, to do that. And, yeah, just people volunteering is just something that can just help. And that's education because now your volunteers are going out and educating folks. I mean, so that has a it has a double effect on, on folks and to, to help out. And, and Harmony just – I, I asked her, she's also sent me some, because I know it's always about donating money, you know, to nonprofits and stuff, but I asked Toya to send me some information of other things like you just asked about. So we'll be posting that as well uh, when we post a show to ask folks about those, the things that are not money, but toiletries and other stuff like that, that they, they might need. And obviously what you just said about helping out with the animals and stuff like that. So, yeah. So, I mean, I know this is, um, domestic violence mob, but I kind of want to touch on some of the other stuff, you know, the sexual assault and human trafficking, uh, kind of the human trafficking uh, just kind of jumps out at me as to, I don't even know how to ask, how, what are you helping with? I mean, uh, that's an unfortunate thing that you guys have to do that. So what does that look like? Um, what does that look like? Um, human trafficking, we basically help with shelter. A lot of human traffickers, they really need counseling. So we're doing counseling services as well with them. Um, honestly, I think this year I haven't had a whole lot of like human trafficking inside the shelter. I think I may have maybe five. And most of our human traffickers victims are like really young. So we mm -hmm. have a whole lot of young human traffickers or they of uh, like a like out of the area, out of the country. Wow. So we had had we have had some. Um, I'm sorry to keep putting you on the spot, Jamie, but have you had like any calls or any crisis calls far as human trafficking? I know this is a very serious topic and I understand what we're doing here today, but you are not sorry to keep calling me out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I but, love it. But for BJ, I'll do it. <laughs> so we have had some um some activity for our human trafficking clients um a lot of times and a lot of people don't know this they are not aware of this but durham you know we have major highways that run through durham that get from destination yeah. to destination mm -hmm. so um there's a lot of transit going through going through durham so for us, even, even if it's just something as small as housing them so they can get back safely to their families or to get back to their um, original destination of where they come from, that's right. something that's easy. We, we can do that. Um, we have picked up some numbers. Um, numbers have increased a little bit for those victims and survivors. But a lot of times our... Our number one goal is to get them back to a support system, family, friends, and then where they where they originate from. We try to set them up with services in their area. Okay. Wow. Wow. How old is? Would you say your youngest human trafficking victim is that's at the shelter currently? Well, we can't. Uh, well, we don't have anybody currently, but we uh -huh. can't house anybody under um, 17. 17? Not let's say, yeah. Okay. So they'll be 18, 18 and up. Oh, wow. 
And you said that oh. you even sometimes are assisting with like international victims of human trafficking. Yeah, we have we we had a victim and they came. I, I don't know if it was like some part of Mexico, mm-hmm. but it was like some years ago. I think that was, you know what, that was that might have been my first human trafficker um, victim. Mm-hmm. And she, as far as her mental stability, she need, she was she had a counselor. See, I think her mom was him. Her mom started. Her mom was the one like who like sold her, right? Oh my god! So wow. her mom, and I think she was like thirteen or fourteen, mm-hmm. but she ended up coming to the United States. She had kids um, by the incident of being trafficked, mm-hmm. and but she couldn't like be around her kids. But her mental state um, was it was it was something different. Like it was really really different. Um, she was, I think she was, she was Hispanic. She was Hispanic. Um, she didn't speak English at this time. Angela, you remember Angela BJ. Angela was uh-huh. her case manager. Yeah. But she was doing a lot of stuff to kind of like, like scare us to the point we had to hide knives and stuff because mm-hmm. she would be calm. She would be calm, but then she would like flare up. Yeah. And we would hide that we hid the knives and stuff for her. And then we actually, Angela actually found her a family to like rent a room with, but she ended up having to leave that particular house because her mental state, she was wow. like gone mentally. Even though wow. she was getting counseling, yeah. she was like, she was at a different level. Wow. It, it was scary. Yeah. Jamie, don't be trying to slide off. I see you trying to get yeah. hit that thing, trying to get off of here. So <laughs> seriously, don't you? You know, I asked Latoya. So, what would you want to say to the community, Jamie? As far as so, we're gonna we're gonna have the link on our on our uh, page when we do the podcast and all that kind of stuff for the organization. We're gonna do all that. So, since you have been chiming in. <laughs> What, what is something you, you'd like to leave with our listeners as far as the work that you guys, all of you, and thank you to all of you for the work that you do. So what, what kind of, what would you like to leave with us? I just want to add that even though um, we may not be able to service youth or adolescents under the age of 18, we do have resources that, that we can reach them, that we can put them in contact with to make referrals for those people. Um, I don't want anybody to be deterred from receiving help. Mm-hmm. Right. Our number one, our, our number one goal, I, sh- I, I would like to think is educating and awareness. Yes. Because like Latoya said, ex- especially, um, I know BJ for your podcast specifically for people of color, yes. black, brown, and indifferent, whatever yes. the color is. We have to remain educated. Yeah. We have to be aware of our surroundings. Um, so that that's something that I would like to leave. If if anybody has any questions or they want to, they're, they're bystanders and they just want information, they can mm-hmm. always call our crisis line. They can always search the information online. Um, I, I put in the chat our website. You can yeah. also find... Um, our needs, the agency needs, um, uh, the, the, the donation list is on that website as well. Okay, awesome. Don't, don't, don't click off yet. I'm going to put the D, it's the, T-H-E-D-C-R-C.org. T-H-E-D-C-R-C. 
rc.org, just in case folks may not go to my website and they're just going to listen to us. That is the that is their their website. Jamie, you're talking about education. I know Latoya, you guys were talked about that. What about schools? How, you know how you know this. The, I'm going back to this alternative to violence uh, project that I that I'm really you know. Tr- I love it because it's teaching people how to deal with their emotions. They, in some schools, they've actually shown a reduction in bullying. How soon, if you know, if you can, you know, we need to be in the schools because this happening in, you know, in schools. I mean, I, I mean, we know, you know, because if you, you at home and mom and dad are beating on each other, well, we kind of know that you probably beating on your little girlfriend and you might be in the eighth grade and you, cause you think that's what it is supposed to be. Uh, so how, how do we get this information to to the youth and how do we figure out a way as a community to say, look, this is something that we need to expose children or not. But you know what I'm saying? What, what is the message to be able to figure out? How do we let folks know early on? Well, I mean, it's, it's a different world. It's a different world now. You know what I'm saying? So how are we going to teach them young instead of so they won't grow up to be an abuser well, or well, a victim, you know, whatever. I can't tell you this, BJ. Our rape prevention educator. He is amazing. I have had the opportunity to sit in on him and he goes into the schools right now. um, Right now, physically, right now, he's not able to physically be there. But um, he does remote classes with middle middle school and high school students. Oh, wow. Yes. He teaches about healthy relationship, dating violence, red flags, things to look things to look for. Um, when these kids are start starting to date or they're getting curious or, you yeah. know, yeah. they see things at home and want to re- reenact things at school. So prevention, prevention, prevention. Um, we, we have an awesome person that goes into the schools that do that. And he starts in middle schools. Absolutely. Wow. wow. That's awesome. So that's a, that's a, we may have to get, get that person on next year. Mm-hmm. We may have to get him on just to talk about that. Cause yeah, I, I, yeah. Uh, it's all about, you know, I'm getting ready to go off on my little my little thing now. We we teach people early, you know, with this violence and, and all this kind of stuff. You ain't got to dial 911 and had a popo come up in your house if you know how to deal with stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't need to know, you know, your business because you just don't know how to communicate with your partner. You know, we need to figure out how to teach people how to communicate and not resort to violence. Then we need to teach people how to do the power of pause. Oh, right. BJ, I do <laughs> want to add too, in the shelter, we do children case management, which Courtney do as well. So we do have case management for the children. So what is that? Um, like pretty much like education, educating a little bit. It depends on mm-hmm. their age. Courtney has mm-hmm. little activities that she like do with the kids because when we have victims like come in, we forget that the kids are victims too. They right. witness certain things and right. they mimic certain things and they think it's okay. Right. So right. we try to educate them as, when they, you know, arrive in the shelter, we try to do education around it um, so that we can prevent like um, prevent them from doing violence of any sort. So it, it right. doesn't necessarily have to be domestic violence. Right, they can right. be violent in the home, and they actually can mimic that fighting in the street, the shooting, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure if we do background checks on people that's like killing people or doing certain things, that yeah. they have experienced like domestic violence of some type of yep. um yes. abuse in the home. Yes, yes, 
Yes. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of statistics that would support mm-hmm. that. And and just real quick, because I, I, I want to make sure, too, that people understand you guys have you guys walk with the victim through the cases. Is this correct? Or is that some do you help them in, as far as court uh, when they have to go through the process? Do you are you with them or are you just instead of supporting? Are you physically with them or you just help support them as they man, as, as they navigate the system once they or the person is arrested for abuse? Well, I don't want to put this person on the spot, <laughs> but we have a director of our family justice center, which is Michelle, <laughs> and she probably can answer that question for you. She's the director. <laughs> okay, well, you might as well. You don't put Jamie on the spot, so let's go ahead and get Michelle on out there, too. <laughs> just going to spread it around, aren't we? Yeah, let's just spread the love, spread the love. I did Good. not know what I was getting into. <laughs> Yeah. So look, uh, yeah, before we go, I kind of want to make sure that people understand that that your victims and survivors have you guys there to help them walk, navigate the court system. So can you just kind of talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, we definitely we have staff that are actually in the courthouse and we work with clients if they want to come in and get uh, order of protection themselves, what they call a 50B, 50C. We are there to help them with that process. We work very closely with the district attorney's office and we will walk clients and support clients through the whole process um, from start to finish. In terms of accompaniment to court or to the district attorney's office for a meeting, that's going to be on a case by case basis right now. And that just has to do with COVID. Right. Okay. And, you know, limiting the number of people allowed in a courtroom, right. the DA's office, making sure that only People are there that have business in the office. So it's just, you know, they're trying to minimize exposure, but we're definitely available. We are also available over the phone. You Mm. can always call the helpline to get information. But yeah, we're more than happy to work with people. Okay. All right. So, So, yeah, I mean, you got, yeah, you kind of knew some of that, but I want somebody to say it out loud. So, yeah, I appreciate (laughs) it. I appreciate it. I mean, it's a service. Nobody, I want folks to know you guys exist. And, um, Thank you again for everything that, you, that all of you do. So, uh, Latoya, we're getting ready to wrap this up. Uh, do you have anything that you want to close out and leave for us? Thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for bringing your crew. Oh, I'm thankful uh, for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks. I mean, I, this was a surprise. But I'm, I'm so glad you guys came. This is a, this, you've actually made the conversation a lot better. Uh, not that Toya wouldn't have done well by herself, but you, you guys certainly made this conversation uh, much better. And I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully people will enjoy the conversation. Again, Toya, do you have anything you want to say as we exit out of here? I just want to make sure that everybody know that we exist and to help us educate the community. Um, it's helpful. Like if, if, if it's contagious, just act like it's contagious. Like if we're helping the community just because we're in the organization, you don't have to be in the organization to educate the community. I also mm-hmm. want to add, like, to let people know that we're here and we definitely are like needing volunteers for our crisis line and you know what have you. We really need. It's very important that we have like volunteers. Okay. So mm-hmm. I want to, and I also want to say because you were saying something about um, people think. Um, you need to donate like money. It's not necessarily uh, about money. It can be okay. like their time. Okay. Thank you. And we yes. are like in need of like help. Our our crisis line. We don't have a whole lot of like help as we had in the past. So okay. that is like crucial 
like to take a lot of like um, excess worth out of the crisis line. Um, it doesn't matter. We have Spanish speaking crisis line as well. Um, let me give you the Spanish um, crisis line as well. Go ahead. That number is 919-519-3735. Okay. That's our um, Spanish crisis line. So um, it's not limited to anybody. It can be no matter what language you speak, we actually accept them. We use ways like translation to mm -hmm. actually communicate with the client. So yeah, cool, good. Thank you for that. And and I'll I'll you probably need to send it on email, but we'll make sure Abby, my social guru, will, will make sure all that information is out there. Thanks again to your crew. And before we sign off, Harmony, you got anything? Um, I was just reminded of this quote um, that I read in a Bell Hooks book all about love. I don't know if she said it or if it was a quote, but it stood out to me. And it was something I journaled back, I think, in January of this year. Um, and the quote is short, but love and abuse cannot coexist. Um, yeah. Love is not chaos. Um, love is not abuse. Love is not pain. Um, that's not what love is. And so I hope that if anybody is listening to this, um, that is currently going through that, you know, that you're loved and that you have, um, you have access to different um, resources that can be helpful. So, yeah. Thank you, Harmony. I appreciate that. So Latoya McNair, we really appreciate you joining us on you and 5 podcast and also your crew uh, that joined us as well. Thank you very much. Um, and um, again, always you and 5 recording out of the Bull City. And as always, stay safe. Stay well. Peace.